Good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, February 22nd, 2022. It's a Tuesday. We were closed yesterday for the uh, President's Day holiday. Thanks for tuning in. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. As a reminder, you can follow me in Week on LinkedIn, Herb Morgan, or Twitter at ETF underscore strategist. This is available both as a slide presentation. If you're seeing it, you're getting it. If not, you can send us an email, info at efficient-portfolios.com. We'll add you to the list. Otherwise, you can get it by any podcast service by just speaking to your smart device and telling them to play the podcast Slaying Bulls and Bears or play Herb Morgan's podcast. The presentation you're seeing has been prepared by us for you, whether you are an investor or a financial advisor. Of course, you're each expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. So with the world sort of changing its economic focus, I'm going to get to what that means momentarily. We've had a pretty good correction, you know, roughly 10% correction in equity prices since really since about Thanksgiving time. And so we've got red across the board last week in the equity markets um, and in the fixed income markets pretty much. And year to date, same thing with the the exception being emerging markets, which are essentially flat on the year uh, with an increase of just five basis points. You would think based on this, you know, it'd be logical almost to conclude that the economy must not be strong or there might be something going on. It's really not the case. What's happening is the economy is adjusting to surviving on its own. Artificially, asset prices, homes, and stocks, and bonds, and everything have been pushed up by massive government interference in the economy. The government interference was, was a reaction to the COVID-19 pandemic. Shut down the economy, add stimulus, classic Keynesian recipe, try to come out of it, try to remove the stimulus, there are some byproducts, one of which is sometimes a little bit of a rocky road in the markets, and sometimes it's inflation. We're seeing both of those right now. The good news is, though, that we are backing off. There'd be no reason to continue massive fiscal stimulus today, no reason to give PPIP loans or or uh, uh, no reason to expand unemployment insurance today, no reason to give people checks because they've been laid off for an extended period of time. There's just jobs are plentiful, the world is returning to work. So we're essentially doing it right. There'd be no reason to have near zero interest rates. And I think we're virtually certain to have interest rates begin to normalize starting at the March 16th Fed meeting. In January, the PPI rose 1%. That was more than expected. That's the producer price index. In the year over year changes, you can see there is 9.7. The estimate was for 9.1. Core energy year over year is at 8.3. But you can see those year over year numbers, whether it's headline or core, have both come off a little. Now, this is no by no means a trend, but this is what we were hoping for. We were hoping, and I said, I thought December was going to be the peak in year over year inflation. It's one month. It means nothing. But I do think it's probably likely the case. We do have an issue with energy prices today because of Russia, Ukraine. But in the end, I think peak inflation was probably in December. So we're going to start to see a little bit of relief from that as we go forward. We had a phenomenal beat on retail sales. 
we were expecting 2%, we got almost 3.8%. That's not the sign of a weak economy or low aggregate demand. But not always as it seems, because the prior month, December, was revised lower um, to 2.5 down versus originally 1.9. So a lot of that 3.8, that was made up by that decline. It was a good number, not a great number, is the bottom line for retail sales. Two regional manufacturing surveys, one is New York State or Empire. It's now had back-to-back kind of not so good months. You can see right there on the far right, um, we're expecting uh, 3.1, you know, the estimate, I'm sorry, we got 3.1, the estimate was 12. The prior month was actually negative. But most of the sub ratings were pretty good. And we saw a little bit of a quip at the bottom here in the report this month that firms are, are throwing up their hands at their ability to get labor and not wanting to eat into margins. They are planning additional capital expenditures, which would reduce their reliance on labor. So this is, this is what the free market does. It naturally finds equilibriums. Innovation is driven by necessity. Necessity today is wage prices are spiraling higher. So we need to find ways. You can't just cut costs. You have to cut costs while delivering productivity. That's where the profit motive and the incentive comes in. And we saw that in that survey, companies saying we are going to spend on CapEx, on technology in order to bring labor costs uh, and cost structures in line. Philly Fed survey was not as bad as New York State survey. Uh, it fell from 23.2 to 16, but that 16 is a pretty good number. New orders fell to a pretty good number. Shipments fell to a pretty good number. That theme continues with Philly Fed survey. Industrial production gained 1.4% in January. That was way better than expected. And, the, and a lot of these better than expected things are driving up the economic surprise indices, which I'll show you later in the presentation. Manufacturing rose, capacity utilization is rising. And I've always said this about inflation and capacity utilization. They're directly related. When your economy is heating up and the capacity utilization is going higher, that's a good thing, but it also is inflationary. And we don't really begin to see those inflationary pressures until we start getting 70, let's call it 78 and a half, 79. And we're getting close there. We're at 77.6. So um, that could also spur more capital expenditures on building factories, which is more jobs, which is more GDP, which is more profitability. So these are not problems per se that need a solution. They're problems that will be solved usually by the free market. Okay, moving on. Business inventories skyrocketed in December, not because demand was weak and they are stuck with inventories, but because we're making some modest amount of headway with the issue of the supply chain. Inventories have been essentially devastated through the COVID pandemic. Reopening with all that fiscal stimulus caused, inv caused uh, inventories to get depleted, backlogs to go through the roof. This was the highest month over month gain in inventories in 40 years. That tells me progress, not, sol not solution, but progress on the continued supply chain issues that are plaguing the economy. Weekly claims for unemployment spiked a little bit to 248. Not overly concerned about that. Not actually not concerned at all about that. That's just a normal sort of noise within that reporting series. Moving on to housing data, we learned last week that in February, the NAHB, that's a sentiment indicator of builders, 
stayed at an extraordinarily high level, 82, down a tick, 83 in January. Um, just, just the housing market is just absolutely continuing to boom. But I do think we may have peaked in prices, quite frankly. I'm looking at another screen, bank rate, 30-year mortgage rates, uh, you know, which were 320. Here, I'll just bring it in for y'all to see real quick here. 320 back here in December, uh, you know, up to 420 here today. That's 100 basis points or 33% cost in the increase, you know, increase in owning a home because the payment is one of the biggest costs of owning that home. Uh, but building permits, market solutions to the rescue, uh, building permits up at a rate of 1.9. More supply should help alleviate some of the price pressure in the housing market. More supply would eliminate some of the housing market price pressure. And existing home sales really jumped last month to a 6.5 annualized rate. I think people are aware interest rates are going higher. You saw that 30 year bank rate average skyrocket. You saw, you know, on March 16th that the Fed is more likely than anything to raise rates at least 25 basis points on that day. Um, so I think buyers are getting in ahead of that and that's spiking prices uh, a little bit. Okay, speaking of economic numbers, this is an amalgamation of whether or not they're surprising. These numbers here, it's a big, busy, ugly chart. Each of the lines represents a nation, a nation or a region. The blue line represents the United States. When you go above zero, means on average, the economic data is surprising to the upside. And earlier in the year, we had gone below zero. We were a little disappointed at some of the data, not bad. But now suddenly it's spiking, it's hockey sticking up and to the right. Europe is experiencing the same thing. To a lesser degree, the Asia region, is, it's been high already and starting to turn a tad bit higher. China's been high and has turned a tad bit lower, but we know in China, they are now going towards monetary stimulus, the opposite of what's happening here in the, uh, in the United States. So, um, Again, the economy is strong, the data is strong, the earnings are strong, the activity is strong, employment is strong, but the market's going down because the market's adjusting to a life of an economy living on its own. An economy without monetary, massive monetary stimulus, or I should say with less monetary stimulus, and without massive fiscal stimulus. And I don't think it needs it, quite frankly. I think it's the right call and uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, uh, earnings season just about wound up great earnings season. Everybody did the same thing they always do. They complain about the input prices. Margins for some companies were down a little, not crazy. They, they tapped down expectations for future, but then analysts went ahead and raised estimates because the numbers were just that good, 419 out of 500 feet. So here's this market we talked about. Uh, you know, it is, it has declined. I mean, there's just no question about it. But I remember too, it had just spiked for so long. Uh, I'm gonna bring the same graph in here live just to show you a, um, a, uh, a percentage drop from the peak, right? Now, you didn't invest at 48.10 and I didn't invest at 48.10. I've been investing my whole life, my adult life. We're 10% down from the peak. So if 100% of your portfolio was 100% stocks, and if you only invested on that day, yeah, you're down 10 and a quarter percent today, and it, you would have had to sell today. I think that it's a 50-50 chance the market just bounces off this low here, uh, but it's also 50-50% chance that it goes through that low, and we do another level of support test. 
just because of, like I said, it's monetary stimulus being withdrawn, it's fiscal stimulus being withdrawn, wage pressure, geopolitical events, Russia, Ukraine, et cetera. Similar chart here, but looking at the NASDAQ, bigger percentage drop, uh, bigger percentage drop in the NASDAQ composite index. Um, here, I'll bring that in and give you a percentage on that one. Um, let's see, percent here, let's go to that peak. Again, nobody bought on that day, right? And down 17%, not at bear market territory, but you know, we could get a 3% drop, 4% drop tomorrow with geopolitical tensions, with energy prices, uh, any of that could happen. What really matters as investors is that we don't sell into that, those fear stages and we use, maybe we use cash, we've got to make a move even. We'll wait and see what it looks like. So kind of summarize our position. Economic data is good. It's really good. Uh, but the growth rate over 21 is not going to be like the growth rate over 20 year over year because 20 was a shutdown year. It's that base year comparison that matters. Earnings are great, but given all the wage pressures and other cost pressures and in, in inputs, margins have probably peaked. There's going to be a little pressure on margins. Inflation has probably peaked as well. But rent, food, gas, and wages, they're going to be sticky for a little while. Fiscal stimulus has waned. That's the government spending of just sending checks, right? The stimulus payments that we got. Uh, but in January, the government ran its first monthly surplus in over two years. And just so we're clear, January used to always be a big surplus, right? Because that's a quarterly tax payment month along with April, et cetera. So those, we need to see those go back. Uh, we'll for sure run deficit in February. Uh, Fed is, I think, certain, virtually certain to raise interest rates on March 16th. Bottom line is we're transitioning from an economy being supported artificially by government interference to an economy lit that's going to be supporting more on its own merits. Interest rates will go more to where the market would have them be. They'll more appropriately price in risk levels in the economy. That'll make, that'll make the whole capital market structure stronger if we don't need monetary support, fiscal support. So I think that the market's adjusting. Could it go down a little bit more? Sure. Will it? I don't know. Could it rally? I think we could have a big strong rally after the first Fed rate hike. We finally get it done and it's sort of like, okay, we ripped the Band-Aid off. I think we could see a little relief rally um, coming out of there. Lots of economic data this week. The big one is GDP on Thursday expected that fourth quarter was up 7%. And the other big, big one is January PCE Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index. That is on Friday. That's the last inflation reading. Well, it's the last core PCE inflation reading the Fed will get before its March 16th rate meeting. Thanks for tuning in. Let's talk to you later next week. Appreciate all of you uh, listening. Bye-bye.